You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Uh, welcome to the main course. This is Barbara Casilli of Modern Restaurant Management. And today we're going to talk about something very American, um, very uh, heart of, of what we do in the restaurant industry, and that's cheesesteak. Um, and with me is Frank Oliveri, who is the owner of the creator, the place where the cheesesteak was created in Philadelphia, Pat's King of Steaks. Um, so welcome, Frank. Um, so first, you know, what it you know what is it that goes into making a really good cheesesteak? Well, you know it's it's not kind of cliche. Everybody says you know we use the freshest ingredients, blah blah blah, but of course we do. We use the freshest ingredients possible. Um, we try to source the best ingredients possible. Our bread is baked for us several times a day, so it's always fresh. Um, our meat primarily is imported uh, ribeye. It's real ribeye. It's not the stuff that's you know pre-cut and shaped and frozen where you have to chop it to death um and we, we cut our onions fresh daily and um that's basically it it's fresh bread fresh meat fresh onions so what are your go-to toppings are you a cheese whiz guy or a provolone guy Joe, yeah, well, i'll tell you um for me personally um i just absolutely love craft cheese whiz i love it i think it does something to the sandwich where it gets all inside the nooks and crannies, and it just um, adds a different, like an unami flavor to it, um, where we, we use Cooper Sharp also. We have Grande Provolone, which to me are really good, but I think the cheese is, is the signature cheese and is the cheese to get. Um, so, you know, you've worked everywhere in the restaurant. You started there when you were a kid, and you've kind of learned a lot about what each role takes. So do you think that gave you a better understanding of both what you need to look for in staff and as well as, you know, an empathy because you know what all of these people are going through? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I, so I started working there when I was 11 years old. My father would take me in on the weekends and I wasn't allowed inside the restaurant. So I would be outside with a metal milk crate. If anybody remembers those, I'm 50, 59 years old and I'd have the metal milk crate. And at the time, we didn't have picnic tables. It was all stand up outside service. Um, and I would stand on the milk crate and I'd wipe down the counters and fill the pepper bowls and fill the ketchup bowls and sweep up and cut onions and cut bread and cut meat. And I've done everything, every job at the store possible. So, you know, even to this day, if I go in and I ask someone to do something, um, whether it's, you know, an easy task or a difficult task, not that most tasks aren't too difficult. I already know I have empathy because I've done those tasks and I know what it takes. And I know when people are slacking about it and, you know, it's, 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 you know, I'm just one of those people that don't do everything and have. <laughs> so I guess, tell me a little bit about, you know, the creation of the cheesesteak, you know, I don't want to get into the total history, but kind of like the bullet points um, and how your family is all connected in this, um, you know, from then till now. So how it goes, my grandfather, Harry, and my great uncle, Pat, were selling hot dogs during the Depression in an open-air hot dog stand um, at this world-famous Italian market. 
where the store is located. So if anybody wants to know, it's not from Philadelphia. It's where Rocky was running down the street and they threw him in the orange. So every day um, they ate hot dogs for lunch. And one day Uncle Pat wanted something different. So we sent my grandfather to the butcher to grab some chopped meat, whatever was left over, trimmings. And they cooked it up on the grill. And the condiments at the time were onions. And they got a loaf of Italian bread because we're Italian. And they made the sandwich for themselves. And a the cab driver, we had hot dogs every day, saw the sandwich and said, wow, that looks really great. Make me one. So Uncle Pat said, I have enough for myself and my brother, but I'll give you half of mine. So he broke the sandwich in half, Uncle Pat, and Uncle Pat took a bite and the cab driver took a bite. And he said, you know, Pat, forget about hot dogs. This is the sandwich you should make. And that was the invention of the Philly steak sandwich. Um, so what, you know, we're, we're talking and you're on your way going in between different things. So but what's your daily routine like at the restaurant? So my daily routine is I get up, um, make cappuccinos for my wife and I, and then I try to get out of the house as early as possible, which doesn't always work that way, which is fine because I spend more time with my wife. Nancy and uh, I get over to work and usually the first question I ask is what's broken because if anybody um, owns a restaurant or works in a restaurant they'll know when they come in every morning something's broken and somebody didn't tell somebody that something was broken so then we we go on a uh, kind of a scavenger hunt to find out what's broken and what needs to be fixed and what needs to be addressed and that could be machinery to um, a shortage in product delivery or um employees who didn't come into work. We're 24 hours a day, so we only close Christmas and Thanksgiving, so it, it's constant. You know, how do you find staff who are willing to, to work all of those hours? Um, and, you know, what, what are you looking for? You know, when you meet with someone and you chat with them, you go, okay, this person will work here, or you go, I don't know about this person. Well, I mean, it can go two ways. Sometimes you like to find people who aren't um, coming from another steak, sandwich, steak place. <laughs> because in Philadelphia, we're, you know, you can't walk down the street without tripping over a cheesesteak. It's just the way it is. And uh, or employees who previously worked at a cheesesteak place. So you, you don't want to unlearn, spend time having that person unlearning bad habits to learn better habits. So we try to find people that are fresh or it's usually word of mouth or we hire we hire from within um, to move up the chain. It's difficult. I mean, staffing staffing is 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 a. Uh, is a difficult thing. So what would what are some other challenges in addition to staffing? I know you mentioned a little bit about supply chain and we know restaurants over the past couple of years have been dealing with different supply chain and pricing issues and inflation. So what would you say are the challenges that your restaurant is facing? Well, I think uh, one of the challenges, well, we don't face it as much. I mean, we have great employee retention. I have you know, there's myself and, and three other people that have been there 40 plus years, my management. We have we have um, five managers, four of which are, uh, you know, over 40 year employees. We all grew up in the business together. Um, I think one of the most difficult thing is I, I think generation, newer generations is work ethic. I think we have a problem with people who aren't used to the challenges of standing for long periods of time or actually interacting with customers without using your cell phone. And I think that's a problem where, you know, you know, eye, eye connection, talking to a customer, being pleasant. Um, so we're, we're trying to find people who can fit that bill. Um, and that sometimes is a challenge. So what is it about the culture there that has kept those people there 40 years plus? Well, I, I would like to selfishly say it's me because I'm such a nice guy. But um, I think it's, you know, 
being that you're you're working at such an iconic restaurant, I mean, we're known throughout the world as the people who invented both the steak sandwich and the Philly cheesesteak sandwich. We've been in countless movies, mentioned countless times on TV shows and visited by presidents and other dignitaries. Uh, I think so, it's sort of like a badge of honor to work at Pat Steaks to a certain degree. You know, we talked about um, challenges for your restaurant, but what are some challenges that you're seeing for the restaurant industry? Wow, the restaurant industry is all, I just, um, I think right across the board, you can just go with um, supply chain issues, getting product, and then um, actually, you know, cost of product, cost of cost of product is, is insane. I mean, you know, what normally would have been, you know, cheese whiz pre-pandemic was like $74 a case. And now it's like 140 a case. It's it's ridiculous. Um, you know, you're talking fry, you know, soybean oil that we cook the steaks with or cook French fries with has tripled in price and hasn't come down. Um, and that's all due to increased price of diesel fuel and trucking. And, uh, you know, we don't have a problem. We pay, we overpay our employees. We, I mean, we don't have a problem with that. But, you know, it's, it's a matter of just making ends meet, you know, insurance costs to operate within the city. Uh, there's taxes in Philadelphia. Um, we have something unique. We have the Philadelphia sugar tax, which is a penny and a half per ounce, which translates roughly for our, from our store alone, $75,000 a year that we have to pass on to the, to the customers. So, you know, then price of product at the window. And, you know, I look when I first started working there many years ago, the price of a cheesesteak was $1.25 and now they're 15 tax included. Big jump. <laughs> Big, big jump. So are our customers kind of feeling that pinch now or, or are they mentioning that or are they saying I'm getting value for what I get? Well, we, we try to we try to provide the best value we can by having the best product possible. And, you know, it's an experience. Um, but, you know, there's there's people you know around the corner that are putting twice as much meat in the sandwich and charging a little bit less. But it's actually not the same quality meat that we're using. It's just it just isn't. And, you know, sometimes people go for quantity rather than quality. And, you know, sometimes you, we, we lose a customer here and there to another place, but eventually, you know, they come back. So we're fortunate in that respect because we're providing the same product that we've always provided since 1930. So you mentioned your competition. Um, you know, a lot of people know about the Pat and Gino's kind of uh, war kind of spy versus spy in a way uh being neighbors um but you know who do you assess as your competition and, and you know and how do you think you compare well i mean gino's there's there's um maybe four or five um old school cheesesteak places still in the philadelphia area that make exactly the same gino's myself steve prince of steaks um just to name a few are, we still make the steaks in the old-fashioned way where the meat's flat, you know, flat as possible, layered in. It's not chopped up and, like, you know, that poor animal gave its life. Why why beat it again after it's dead? I mean, that, that whole chopping thing drives me insane. Um, so anybody who's my competition, the pizzeria around the corner that makes, you know, um, five sandwiches a day or creates a, you know, creates a... a a desire for their sandwiches by baking their own bread. And they say, oh, we're sold out of bread. We sold so many today, we, we sold out of bread. But they're baking for themselves, maybe like a dozen loaves of bread, which translates into 24 halves. 
yeah, you, I could sell out of 24 halves in like six minutes. I mean, and then create and then create a desire for the sandwich. Um, and and then, you know, the whole Internet thing where people are going around critiquing pizzas, critiquing cheesesteaks, you know, and all oh, you need to go to this place because it has a seated role, you know. And so everybody tries to do something a little bit different, reinterpret what the original is. Everybody's trying to make a more perfect round wheel. But if it's if it was perfect to begin with. Yeah, everybody has their own interpretation of it, but everybody seems to come back to the original. So speaking of the internet, one of the things you do is uh, gold belly. Um, so how, you know, how does that work? How does that help you kind of find a new audience? So the gold belly was something I, I have to say I was adamantly against. I didn't want to do it because I wasn't, um, I wasn't comfortable with or assured that the quality of the sandwich would be perfect when it got there. And my wife, Nancy, who's sitting next to me, <coughs> insisted that we do it. So we had um, extensive trials where we were mailing them to friends all over the country. And uh, it seemed to work. And then, boom, the pandemic hit. And, you know, like all other restaurants, we were we were feeling it. Um, we had no walk-up customer service. We had, you know, no late-night customer anymore because all nightclubs and bars were closed and no one was out and about at night anymore. So we... Um, we were so fortunate that we were, you know, we went from maybe selling, you know, maybe 150 orders a week, you know, four pack, eight pack and 12 pack to selling, you know, making over 10 to 12,000 sandwiches a week during pandemic, which translated to like, you know, our, it was our lifeline. It was our blood. It was our bloodline. It saved our business. So have people said they tried it on Gold Belly and then visited? Yeah, we've had many people, you know, Philadelphia is a great tourist destination, which brings me to another thing, you know, we're the tourist trap, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, we, have, we, have, we have great, I mean, there's so many firsts in Philadelphia. I mean, so many great things happen in Philadelphia and have happened in Philadelphia. So we have people that travel here from all over the country with their families during the summer, and they come to Pat's and like, oh, we tried it on Gold Belly. We thought it was amazing. You know, now we have the whole full circle we have the whole experience of being here watching the bus go by seeing a pigeon fly by you know it's it's different when you're at the store so you talked a little bit about the pandemic but you know how did the pandemic affect the business um i know you had a cash only policy you know how how did things uh for operating the business change well um so after the pandemic or during the pandemic i i, I wanted to do you know, more people are walking around with, of course, people are walking around with credit cards. And we've been, in, you know, a cash-only business for 90, 91 years. And that was that was like a shtick that people wanted to, you know, they, they, they knew when they came here, have your money ready, go to the ATM across the street. And for me to streamline the business and, and have a better control of it, uh, we decided to go to, um, you know, accepting credit cards as well. And you know, I, I met a lot of I met a lot of pushback actually from some of my longtime employees about it because they were they were so accustomed to saying, you know, what's yours? Cheesesteak with onions. Boom, they take the money out of their hand. The sandwich is made in less than six seconds, and the change is in their hand, and they're pushed out of the way and on the next customer. So they felt as though that it, you know it was actually slowing down the line. But you know, I then I explained to them, you know, just like oh, too many buttons to push. Well, you know, if you pull out your phone and you have to call your wife or your husband. And you're pushing several more buttons just to make that phone call than you are on the register to accept a credit card. So now that it's been in place for about a year or so, um, we're finding that probably close to 50% of our sales are credit card sales now. So 
in what other ways does technology fit into what you do? Well, the technology fits into it better because you have, you have a better, um, better inventory control rather than the electronic cigar box. So, <laughs> so the electronic cigar box was good while it worked, well, you know, while it lasted, but um, now it's, if I'm not at the business all the time, um, it, it, it affords me the ability to, if I'm, you know, vacationing somewhere, I can actually just dial in from my phone at night when I'm sleeping and I can see live what's happening on the register and I can see live what's happening with my inventory. It keeps honest people more honest. Right. And it, it allows you to keep better track of the data that you used to kind of have to know in your head or, or call up to get from someone. Yeah, exactly. It actually, it actually streamlines my, my sales tax at the end of the month when I'm doing my inventory with my accountant, because she could just pop right on to Clover, our Clover system. You know, I'm not getting paid for that endorsement, although it would be nice. Um, but um, she could just pop right on anytime and she could check inventory against what came in with, with purchases. And so I could delegate some of that stuff out where normally I would do all of it and it frees me up to do other things within the business and, you know, have a personal life, which is nice right um so you talked a little bit about before about philly being a tourist town um so beyond cheesesteak what makes it a good food town what makes philly a good food town well we have the greatest um diversity in ethnic food here actually i just um noticed this morning that we had um four or six james beard award winners just yesterday um from philadelphia we have great malaysian food we have great Italian food. We have great Korean food and Asian food, and we have great Mediterranean food and we have great Israeli food. <clears throat> you can find anything you want in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, I have some cousins that are like, you know, the food in Philly is much better than the food in New York. How do you feel about that? My wife who's, who loves New York is shaking her head. Yes. Um, it's great. I actually just saw another article that we have some of the um, Philly was voted the best pizza town again. You know, so that's that's pretty awesome to beat out New York being a better pizza town. I'll take that. So there are a number of cheesesteak franchises out there, some of which started in Philly, some who knows where they started, um, you know, but you've kind of kept it to where you are and and haven't really expanded. So is that a, a something you're planning on doing? Is it something that you just are? you know, comfortable where you are and being who you are and doing the best that you can where you are. So when my, my, my Uncle Pat was alive and the family was all together, uh, my family had four cheesesteak places running in Philadelphia. And then my Uncle Pat moved out to California and he had one there. And the original store always did better than all of them. So, you know, eventually all of them closed. Um, I see my competitor across the street. He has several locations in an airport and a ghost kitchen. And you know, I think about expanding and um, it's something that I've always thought about, but I'm thinking like, how can I, how can I make sure that the product is what it's supposed to be? Assure the quality of the product. Yeah, you can hire management to be there, but there's nothing like when the owner's actually there doing, you know, R&D, eating a cheesesteak in the morning, saying this isn't right, that bread's got to go, or I don't like this meat, send it all back. You know, if you're, if you're relying on somebody else to make those decisions about the, the, the livelihood of your business, you could, you could be in trouble because there's really no, we don't have like a format, you know, there's no quote unquote recipe that we follow. Like, you know, you know, like a, like 
one of the big hamburger places where you have to put a squirt of ketchup on. It's like, you know, 22 grams or the pickle weighs 18 grams. You know, it's, it's not like that where we are. So to expand, I think, I don't know, maybe in the future, I might consider doing something. Maybe like one company owned store um, somewhere close that we can manage it. But we'll see what the future holds for that. So are you actually eating cheesesteak every single day? No. My wife's not. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't. I mean, there was a time when I was actually on the grill every day and I would eat a couple a day. But no. I mean, I do I do taste them um, occasionally. I have a, a small piece. I, I have a hard time finishing one anymore. I, it's just I can't do it. I mean, I love them. I, I think if I get cut, I actually bleed cheese with. So, I mean, I've had enough of them over the years. But, um, you know, it, is it the best thing for you? Probably not. But. It's a damn good sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, where, you know, where, if somebody is kind of listening to you and they're like, I, you know, I want to be in the restaurant business um, and maybe they didn't grow up in it like you did, um, but they're choosing it as their career. What kind of advice would you give to them? Well, you know, anybody who, um, <laughs> anybody who wants to be involved in a restaurant business is a special person. We are a special breed of people. Um, I would say, you know, be be careful. If, you, if you're going into a family business, make sure that, you know, everything's written down on paper, who gets what when somebody else dies. If not, you'll be spending the rest of your life buying people out that you didn't know were partners in the business. Um, but I think it's it's one of those things where you need to, you need to learn the business in order to be a, 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 a good manager. You need to know how to do all the tasks that you're asking someone else to do. It's easy to read a book and say, I'm going to come in, I'm going to be the best bar manager or best, you know, restaurant manager in the world. But if you don't know how to physically do those tasks, you, you don't, you don't gain the respect of the people that are actually doing those tasks. So I would say, come in, learn the entire business before you move up the ladder or as you move up the ladder, and that'll make you a more conscientious and empathetic boss or owner of a business. And, you know, we mentioned before about the staffing and how younger generation doesn't necessarily have that same face-to-face um, ability. So is that something that is teachable that people should, if they want to be in the business, that they really have to get a command of? Yeah, I think I think that someone who wants to be a, a good server or a good counter person or a good cook needs to understand that, you know, there isn't an app for everything. You know, you need to actually learn on your social skills and talking to people. And eye contact is very important because you're, you're, you know, you just can't expect somebody to, to dish out a 20, 20, 20, 20% tip to 28% tip, which comes on the, on all these things. Now people handing over and they're, they're not even looking at you when they're taking their order and they want a gratuity, like a 28%, like, really? Like, what did you do? You didn't even, there was no interaction. You need to have that interaction because, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, and I'm kind of going off on a little tangent that's missing today. There are no career. It's hard to find career bartenders and career servers like we used to have when I was younger, because, you know, people looked at it as more like a stepping stone to that next job where they're going to be, you know, I'm going to be the next TV food network star and I'm going to be putting parsley on a dish or I'm going to be doing TV shows. It, it doesn't work that way. It only works that way for a few people on the planet. So better your skills are better. You can talk to people and, um, the, the better your job will be and the better and, the, and and you know gratuities come along with that i guess perfect thank you so much thanks thank you